Forget everything you think you know about what a superhero is supposed to look like. No more are superheroes simply super soldiers, reformed spies, guys with cool gadgets, or kids bitten by radioactive bugs. This superhero is a master of the mystic arts, and the MCU has officially gone full magic. Dr. Stephen Strange has a lot of traditional superhero qualities. I mean, he's a man whose ego kept him from truly being a great person, who's forced into a battle for his world against his will. And amidst that, a hero rises. In a lot of ways, this movie's a little cliche, but in so many others, it opened the door for the future of the MCU. 2016 was around the time the MCU was really rounding into what we know it is. And that's not complete without the inclusion of a little sorcery. The movie isn't perfect, its timing is weird, the bad guy was underdeveloped, the plot was rushed, and I've said this before, but stakes this high need a lot more time to develop, otherwise we just don't care what happens to our heroes. But Doctor Strange ultimately was a massively underrated film that introduced an entirely new side of our favorite franchise. More importantly, we get our first mention of the vast multiverse, but we'll get back to that in five years or so. Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. Got BJ Clark back here today. Say howdy. 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 We're talking about Doctor Strange, the first mystic MCU movie, and a huge tonal shift in the MCU. What are your couple thoughts on Mr. Stephen Vincent Strange? I love this movie. Um, this movie... This is another great movie for people that don't like superhero movies, I think. It's got something for everyone. Some parts feel like Grey's Anatomy. Some pe parts feel like Harry Potter. Some people or parts feel like Inception. Uh, but it's all a superhero movie. So I think it's a lot of fun. And this is a movie that like I don't mind watching with my wife, who doesn't really like superheroes that much. Yeah, this is definitely one of those types of movies. And that makes it harder to rank, I think, because I think, like, on a personal level, I like this movie a lot more than I rate it at the end. Uh, just because it doesn't, like, really take part in the MCU, you know? It's one of those that's kind of off the main continuity. So you gotta kind of rank, rank it lower, but that also does make it more watchable by people that aren't, like, super into the MCU. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But let's get to some awards. What's your first award of the night? Let's go with Age of Ultron Award for This is Way Cooler After Seeing the Next Five Movies. Okay, what do you got? So I've got the all the references to the multiverse. Ooh, yeah. um, there's a line, um, especially where she says, who are you in this vast multiverse, Mr. Strange? And this is like... We don't even know anything about the multiverse. And now, five years later, is this five years later? No, it's longer than that. This is but, seven years later now. But yeah, several years later, <laughs> seven years later, everything's revolving around the multiverse and in different ways. And um, so this is way cooler. At first, it felt like kind of a throwaway, like, oh, multiverse, who cares? But now it's it's deeply ingrained into the strategy of all the movies. Yeah, I think I put that on what age is the best, but I mean, it works with this one too, of course. But like, it's literally just one single line that's kind of like a throwaway line, but then what, five years later becomes the most important thing in the entire MCU. So that that was like, looking back, that's like, oh, right, it's right here. I think every introductory movie gets a little bit cooler after a few movies, not necessarily like character introductions, but like archetype introduction like guardians going into space and the avengers being the team up and thor being the first that like, cosmic one they all get like a little bit cooler to look back on after they become mainstream like this was early in magic and sorcery and other mainstream in both like in universe and in pop culture like it was sorcery was like this little niche thing in in, in here in the next couple movies but now it's like one of the, the big three threats according to i think falcon said that or whatever <laughs> Um, and then Strange's story in What If, I think that was the most interesting part of that show. I didn't really like that show that much, but his his single episode is really interesting. And it's cool to look back and see like how how he could have like turned out differently, like 
the same goes for his ultimate alternate selves in Multiverse of Madness. Like it's clear that I think this is the best version of Doctor Strange, like the most good in him. And I think in 90% of universes, he's a, a terrible person and a, a borderline villain. Doctor Strange in general represented for Marvel like the ability to expand just beyond like super strong heroes or like more normal superpowers. Yeah. And you really get to see this imagination where you're like, how how are they not on drugs? Um, where Stan Lee was like pretty avid, like he got angry when people were like, Oh, you guys are all on acid because he was pretty anti-drugs. But yeah, um it, it's like the imagination to create these stories without you know everything that we have now. Um, it's really amazing. So thinking back to like where this all came from it makes it even more enjoyable to be like there's so much story in these comic books that are you know 12 minute reads each and um the fact that they're bringing it to the big screen um to really give it what it deserves graphics wise cgi wise it's it's pretty cool i think that's what made it super popular right away because i mean well, we'll get to that later. And then one last thing for the, the Age of Ultron Award. So the, the staff of the Living Tribunal, that's kind of just said in passing. I don't look up anything about future movies because I don't like being spoiled, but I've heard that that's going to, that uh, the Living Tribunal is going to be touched upon in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So that's a future, probably maybe Age of Ultron Award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of things feel like throwaways in this movie and then they actually bring them on. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the I Am Iron Man Award for the best single line. Uh, so I've got two that are kind of up there and then one that I think is like the most iconic. So I'll give you my first two and then I'll let you go and then I'll give you the iconic one. But the forget everything that you think you know, that was like the line of the trailer and it totally epitomizes like this movie in relation to the rest of the MCU, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then Strange kind of blows it off. He's like, uh, okay, when he first says that. But then minutes later, he's totally on board. Same kind of goes for the teach me kind of kind of deal there. Uh, and then when he says, we're just a momentary speck in an indifferent universe. And I love that Caecilius brings that, he says that right back to Strange, you know, an hour later. Because uh, it totally shows his mindset. And it's, I mean, it's a fine line. It's just a cool sounding line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But neither of those are my winner. I'm going to let you go for a second. Okay. make sure i'm stealing all yours yeah it's tough because the ancient one is obviously supposed to be the super wise person and um so there's a lot of really good quotes um i put we never lose our demons we only learn to live above them Mm, i've got that i like that one yeah (laughs) um because i think that it shows the difference between uh strange and the ancient one who are kind of they live in the gray where Mordo could only see things in black and white and so could Caecilius. And yeah. you see that a lot where like, I'm either good or I'm bad. And mm-hmm. um, that's what makes these characters interesting is that they made sacrifices, made concessions in what was maybe morally right in order to save the universe. And somehow Mordo and others could not see past that. So yeah. I think it represents the movie well. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Mordo later, but I think he's one of the most interesting, like potentially interesting characters, especially among the bad guys, quote unquote, he's not really a bad guy in this movie. And then they just kind of throw him away and that sucks, but I'll we'll talk about that one later. Mm-hmm. Um, but my last I Am Iron Man award, I think this is the, if you're talking about like iconic lines that people like repeat and you see on memes and stuff, it's 100% Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Especially because he says it, you know, eight times within the two <laughs> minutes of that movie. But that's the one that, like, if I think of a line from this movie, it's it's that, right? It's just mm-hmm. iconic in that way. Yeah, I think that was, like, so such an interesting way of ending the movie, too. Yeah. It's just like, oh, he's not going to actually beat him. He's just going to do this weird time loop thing. Yeah, very, I absolutely very strange. Love that. I love that. Okay, uh, let's go with the Ragnarok Award for character's cinematic peak. Okay, I'll go for first. Uh, so I put the ancient one. This is, I mean, 
we really only see the ancient one in this one. I think this is going to be the character's peak unless there's some sort of yeah, it's it's definitely going to be her peak. And um the decision to make ancient one a lady was I think a really interesting one and a good one. I don't really remember how many pasty white dudes were really angry about it, but <laughs> I think that it was written very well and played very well. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that and what age is the best and worst, because there's an interesting story behind why she was cast. And Tilda's one is amazing. So, like, I mean, nobody's upset, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in a second, too. But I'm I actually, sure people are upset. Yeah, I mean, people are upset about everything. But she, uh, I think she definitely peaks here, but it's almost by default because she would be the best one-off character, but she had that one small exposition scene in Endgame. So, I mm-hmm. mean, she gets, she was in two movies and she was good here, so she peaks here. But uh, do you have anybody else? I do not. Okay. I, I said that Strange peaks here in the Infinity Saga, but 100% blows it away in both No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. So, no, we got here. Oh, and then I, I, I wrote down... I want to talk about Wong real quick because he does not peak here for sure. But I like his kind of characterization shift where he's like this deep, deep background character at first. And then he joins Strange in the final fight and kind of is like, hey, we're going to be buddies now, teaming up. And like he's a secondhand man. And then he became the Sorcerer Supreme by default. And like just every step of the way, he became more like beloved too. So I, I kind of like that where he's just this deep background character up to like one of the main guys of the MCU now, really. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think Mordo 100% peaks here. Because I think he was ultimately a letdown after post credit scene. Like, we thought he'd be the next big bad guy, right? And then he was just some petty loser who's like a thorn in the side of Strange in a Multiverse of Madness where they... Uh, there's just like a throwaway line where they mention that too, right? Like, they don't really touch upon it. And then there's a different version of Stra- of Mordo. But this version of Mordo was, you know, some petty loser. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I just think it's a bummer that we haven't seen more of him. Like his, when he's like, fight, fight like your life depended on it. Because one day it may. I thought that was really cool. It was really well acted. And his his little attack on Strange for being a coward, I thought that was amazing too. I think if the Oscars had separate awards for like comedy and drama and action, I think this would win an Oscar. He would have won an Oscar for this role. He was very, very good. Yeah, that's a good choice. You know, thinking back, I probably would select him to it that's really a huge missed opportunity um yeah. maybe maybe we should dive into those next because also, he's i mean he's really the big bad in most doctor strange stories and yeah. he was played really well and you know i i feel like one of the the negative things about the mcu is they have to try to fit all these stories in and um, I think that it doesn't allow for the ability to kind of pivot based off of how well performances went all the time. Yeah. And I think that this was one where like they were trying to do so much and um, they really could have focused on way more Doctor Strange stories and involved Mordo a lot more before yeah. kind of killing everybody. Yeah. Let's just shift into missed opportunities. That'll be my next yeah. choice. And we'll talk about them here. Because having him as the face, like the bad guy face of another movie, huge missed opportunity. I like I, I loved Multiverse of Madness, so I didn't like want it to be replaced by Mordo story. But I just think the fact that they turned him bad at the end of this movie, I think it was just like I don't think they had a plan for him, which I, I think is something they do a lot. It's just they make these little shifts in characters without having a plan for it. I wish that they would have kept him on Strange Side, you know, like they would have been partners for like the next couple movies and then turn him into a bad guy later when they have an actual plan for him rather than just, you know, leaving it up to dry and then there's going to be a plan in the future. Especially when, like, the Ancient One is talking about how well Strange and Mordo would work work together and that, you know, they need his rigidness and Strange's flexibility to be an awesome partnership. Uh, and that's supposed to be leading up to the final fight. But then in the final fight, like, Mordo did nothing. It was all Strange just because he, you know, went off, off script there. But it, that just led to nothing, you know? It, it sucked. Yeah, I totally agree. So for, for my missed opportunities, um, I think that bringing more around Mordo and having him actually be a villain that Doctor Strange faces head-on would be a big one. I think in general, I wish that there was kind of a branch of Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange-like stories 
that expanded that world before kind of bringing him into the MCU, Avengers like the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we immediately bring him into Thor, <laughs> like yeah. Thor's in, in the after credit scene. And I wish that there would have been more of the, like, let's build on that. Um, kind of similar with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, and well, they had their own movie too. Uh, a whole nother movie after their first to kind of build on that. And I wish that would have happened with Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think when the the MCU ultimately like gets reset and they just start over, I think they're gonna have a lot of like those anthology limited series after a solo movie, just have a little more story, a little more content about them. And I think that's coming soon, by the way. But that's just a random stupid theory. Another missed opportunity, like we thought at the end of this one, Strange would like team up with Thor in the next movie but he's in there for two minutes and i loved ragnarok so like not really upset that he wasn't in there more i just thought there was me more of him because really yeah. he until spider-man no way home like he really was didn't have a lot of screen time in most of the movies i'd say he was one of the top top few guys in infinity war i guess so he got some good screen time there but he wasn't really in ragnarok he wasn't really in endgame except for a couple minutes so that's kind of a bummer too it took him a long time to get a second like huge huge role yeah, this is where like they start to like have these post-credit scenes that aren't as important to they're not as cool as they were at the beginning. Like well, that's a problem. Like, oh yeah, have. there's Thor. And oh, it's gonna be so cool. Doctor Strange and Thor are gonna team up in Ragnarok. Then nothing really happens out of that. That's a problem when they have so many movies coming out at the same time now, like three movies a year. Like they're all kind of leading towards the same next movie. So it's just like pieces versus like early on in the in the uh, MCU each. There there were few movies. So every single movie was super important. Every single post-credit scene was super important. So it just got a little yeah. bit more exciting versus now they're just teasing little small things. It's kind of fine, our fault as fans too, because we're expecting it every time. Yeah. It's like we're all waiting here for the post-credit scene. And when it's something dumb like Captain America joking around on a video yeah um like in spider-man like then we're all disappointed so i actually like that they started doing like the first post-credit scene is important because you wait two minutes and then the one after you waited you know another hour and a half of credits <laughs> it's just a funny stupid one that you don't even need because then you don't feel mm -hmm. bad about leaving if you're like seeing in the theaters for the third time yeah let's go with cheesiest fight scene and then best fight scene okay so uh, the cheesiest fight scene, um, I've got the the first fight where, you know, he gets the, the um, yeah, it's Doctor Strange's first fight uh, yeah. where he's defending the Sanctum for the first time. Um, I think the whole ending to that was kind of cheesy. It's like, oh, we don't have a really good way of him defeating this all-powerful villain when he doesn't really understand how to use his strengths yet. Anytime when he um, just threw the yeah. suit of armor at him and it, yeah. yeah it's like oh here you go and like <laughs> you as a villain didn't see that coming so that was pretty cheesy yeah um as far as best fight scene um i had a hard time picking so i will i'll defer but um i want to hear what you think is the best fight scene yeah, I mean, this movie is pretty short on fight scenes. There's basically, there's really just one. It's like Strange versus Kaecilius, and then he gets stabbed, and then go back to fighting. You know, it's one, like, extended fight scene. And then you can call Dormammu a fight scene. But I, I thought it was, I thought, it, I like that one. Like, it's just fun to see him win, despite, like, being super underpowered, just because he was more creative and a little bit smarter than everybody else. And I didn't, like, I don't know. I, I, I also think that Kaecilius didn't, want to kill him because he's not really a bad guy he's not just slaughtering people he only killed mm -hmm. daniel because they said that right before like he knows that he's gonna die defending it there's no way that's gonna stop him other than killing him versus strange maybe you can sway maybe he's just some guy right some some loser yeah. um so i i enjoyed that fight and i didn't think the throwing the magical chain mail at him was dumb i thought it was kind of i don't know i thought it was funny because this is kind of a low stakes movie despite having you know like a world ending threat at the end it was kind of a low stakes movie so i'm fine when they have like silly endings to fights that are mostly just for laughs because this, this movie is ultimately not super important like if they had that kind of ending to infinity war <laughs> like if that's how they defeated thanos was <laughs> throwing a magic suit of armor like, oh 
That's it. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Get some Dormammu. That would have been stupid, but I think it's fine in movies like these. But the final battle with Dormammu, it's not really a fight scene, but yeah, whatever. I think it's less cool on the 17th viewing, but the first time I saw that, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I, I just, I'm so sick of like lame CGI fights dictating who wins the movie. So I absolutely loved the uh, I've come to bargain quote unquote mm-hmm. fight scene. So I don't, I don't think there's, there's yeah. one fight scene and then one sort of fight with Dormammu. I don't think either of them are particularly bad or cheesy. Um, I yeah. thought it was fun. Yeah, it's not really a action movie really yeah no i don't know really although you know the when they're in the mirror dimension um that was pretty cool so yeah yeah, i've got several nits with some of the scenes within the fight scenes but i don't think any of the fight scenes themselves are particularly yeah they're weird because it's like there's not very many fight scenes but they are fairly long and go over pretty a range so it's like a combination of multiple fight scenes yeah and frankly too maybe i like i just don't even when i was it was just in the comics i didn't love like co- uh, the, the magical storylines so I, I don't love magical fight scenes to begin with so maybe mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grading them on, on a lower level and those fight scenes did suck and it's like yeah they all suck because they're magic you know what i mean yeah yeah that's fair I like the magical storylines. Um, I think that the fighting isn't really the fun part of them. Of yeah. them, like I loved the multiverse of madness because it's like creating these crazy worlds and um, going through these bizarre storylines that you don't really get to see with Captain America. Yeah, is it crazy to say the multiverse of madness was the best movie of all time, or is that is that fair? <laughs> uh, I think that is crazy. Yeah. But it's up there. It's close. That's just my opinion. I am going to pick something. And that something is go Hawkeye Award for the most unexpectedly inspiring moment. I put the the we never lose our demons mordo. We only live learn to live above them. I love that line a lot. And then my number two was the ancient one talking about strange's potential for goodness and that he doesn't like realize the most important lesson and just the super simple line so well spoken and so like the music is based around it too she just says it's not about you i love that line and i think that's yeah a huge revelation moment for uh, i'm going to talk about the characterization too in a little bit with what age is the best but they don't really have too many of the uh super egotistical good guys with the redemption stories like i think he's probably the last one of those of that archetype to to really exist in the mcu like but that totally encapsulates like him and tony and, and peter quill and other people with that same mindset you know yeah i agree i um i think that my most and i don't even i don't i don't know if it's necessarily unexpectedly inspiring but um, I yeah, found he whole the whole piece with Ancient One dying and um, that it's not about you and kind of her peace with the fact that this is the end of the line for her. I love that because it seems like she's at peace, right? And then she even says outright, like, I'm at peace, I'm but I'm also stretching this moment out to a thousand moments. Like, I don't really <laughs> want to die. You know, I really like that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it, it brings some humanity to a comic book movie where in comic book movies, they are the center of the universe and they are indestructible. And it's like, oh, how did Tony Stark not break his neck doing that? Like, there's like so many things that are just not real and realistic. Yeah. Um, and even like as the ancient one, obviously like crazy stories, but the fact that it's like, it's not about you, Doctor Strange. And, you know, like, I'm about to die. And I am scared. But I'm also at peace. Like, those are things that are human feelings and things that, as humans, we have to realize and understand, too. Like, it's not about us. And the world, the universe is infinitely bigger than the things that we experience. And it's like, Oh, wow, can you actually get some wisdom and inspiration from a Disney made Marvel movie that's just here to make money? 
yeah maybe you can maybe you can that's why it's unexpected um and i and thin line just it can you know be self-talk basically any whether it's you know industry or any anything that you're trying to do in life like it's you know just put something ahead of yourself and totally can play out just realize that's something that's more important than you and i'm gonna go with the taika ytt award for the funniest moment wait i picked the last one you're up okay i'm gonna go with the taika ytt award for the funniest moment good selection uh thank you i thought so um so there's a lot of like really just kind of goofy throw-ins for comedy here um I'm actually not a big fan of um, some of the quips that Doctor Strange has, but uh, the part where like he gives him the Wi-Fi password and he's like, "What is this? Some some I don't remember what he said, but like some magical." What is my mantra? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like no, it's the Wi-Fi password. Um, you know that was funny. I thought that was so stupid. That's one of those lines that they force and put in the trailer, and it's supposed to be so funny. I'm like, that's not funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I also had a hard time picking the funniest moments because they're cheesy. The funny parts are cheesy. There's a lot of cheesy in this movie. I first of all, I put that I think Strange is one of the funnier characters in the MCU, and that kind of goes under notice because he's not goofy like Ant Man or Peter Quill or you know Peter Parker. He's more in that Tony style where he riffs off people, and a lot of it's being insulting. It kind of reminds like he and Tony Stark are like '90s sitcoms. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Ant-Man and Peter Quill, they're 2010 sitcoms, like two totally different styles of humor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think that he's peaked in that yet, though. Yeah, no. I think you I, see that more in the Infinity War and in No Way Home. You see him kind of, I think it's better writing or better acting. I'm not sure which, but. Yeah, um, I I think too, like there were a lot of quips early in the movie and some of them are kind of funny and then they got progressively less funny, especially when he's trying to quip with Wong. But what was way funnier is Wong's like reactions to his not so funny quips. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's like trying to be Beyonce and he just stares at him. He's like, just give me the freaking quip. <laughs> like yeah. that, that part was funnier than the actual quip, which I think was intentional. Yeah. Um, but I have I, another I, one, but I'll let you go because you might have chosen mine. So go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Uh, at the beginning where uh, Nick screws up, you know, the bullet poisoning his brain, and then he's kind of standing 20 yards back. He's like, oh, I'll assist you. And Strange is like, no. I thought that was it. That was really funny. Um, and then the Mr. Doctor scene, the first part of that, it was a little bit funny, right? Like, it was mm-hmm. you know, just kind of cute, whatever. But then when he kept calling him Mr. Doctor after he was <laughs> chained up and it was like all serious, that was so funny. And it, it was a little out of place. But again, like this isn't the most important movie, so they can kind of get away with that more so than other movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I put that, and I I agree. I think it's because it's so strange. Like the whole scene is strange. Like, yeah. And I keep saying the word strange. Um, <laughs> lowercase strange. Yeah, it's lowercase strange. <laughs> but the fact that it's like, oh, I'm just gonna throw this armor on him, and it's like, Mister Doctor, it's strange. Who am I to judge? Like. <laughs> It's all like just goofy, yeah, and it makes that, it funny. The first part when they're when he's standing above him in the in the hallway or whatever, like that it was like trailer funny, you know, where it's in a trailer, you see, oh, that'd be kind of funny. But then it just wasn't all that funny in the movie. But then the follow up where it just kept happening, that's where it got really really funny. <laughs> yeah, yep. Do you have another one, or was that yours? That that was my, and so like like I said, like there, if you're just kind of here to enjoy it they're kind of funny Tra- i think trailer funny is a good explanation of that yeah. there's not a whole lot of like things that i found funny i i felt like the humor fell flat a little bit a little forced um it's really my only complaint with this movie and i think that it kind of in the next few movies that include dr strange it improves yeah uh for eternals award for could this have been a limited series because we're basically going to talk about the same thing i think at least i am like it's kind of an emotionally driven film but it's very um almost surface level you know surface level emotions it's very lighthearted, and it it, it's most important thing is bringing magic and then of course dr strange into the mcu so touching on magic for the first time in a limited series i think would have made sense and then his intro on ragnarok would have been his cinematic introduction it would have been pretty fitting 
it's a fairly skippable movie that's like outside of the main storyline. So it just serves again to introduce Strange and Magic, uh, Magic, and then his his team up with the Avengers comes later. So I think hundred percent this movie could have been a limited series. Essentially, also for the reasons we've talked about, that makes you know the the funny quips okay. It's it's just not serious of a, just not that serious of a movie. Yeah, you know that's that's a good point, and um, I think it depends on how you take it because I think that Doctor Strange they really forced like how quickly he becomes proficient. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's a nit. That's gonna be a huge nit that I always yeah that always bugs me. And. It's I don't know if there's Mr. Phil Major can can talk about this if this is if there's a name for this where it's kind of a plot device to say, oh, he was somehow made for this. So um, we don't have to explain why it works for him and not for everybody else. Uh, but that's very much this. It's like they explained it like, oh, you're a savant. So, yeah, you're it's like, a you know, Ray Skywalker battling yeah. a Sith Lord immediately like. Oh, yeah. she's very strong force. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, whatever. That's what they should call it is the Skywalker effect or something. <laughs> yeah, but, because, I mean, you could say the same thing about Luke, really, too. Like, why is he hanging with Anakin right now? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it, those kinds of, um, it seems lazy to, to do yeah. that. Um, so that could have made it a good limited series. I think the, the Dormammu plot line limits that potential because you can't really hang around with this entity that's going to destroy the universe and plunged into darkness for too long. So that's where like, I think that you needed to have a different buildup to this story if you're gonna do it as a limited series. Yeah, I think that's another issue with this movie in general is that it has really huge stakes and that you know the, more, the, the planet is gonna be destroyed, eaten, whatever, <laughs> uh, plunged into darkness but without any development like if you're gonna have a world-ending story there's got to be a lot of development like obviously yeah. infinity ward way higher stakes than than uh than this but there's development over years um yeah and that's again where it goes back to like this is kind of a lighthearted movie so it, it it's more acceptable than if they're super serious about it, um, it but that, that is me, kind of frustrating it reminds me of uh the second fantastic four movie where they had the silver surfer and um, galactus and yeah, it's like, oh, Galactus is going to eat us now. Um, and then, like, it's such a huge stake. And then there's like this impossible thing to overcome. Yeah. And then you overcome it by flying your <laughs> surfboard into him. Like, it's it's kind of we a similar thing. Defeat him with the power of friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, That's like, honestly, I think that's, I, I haven't really thought about that, but that's, I think, one of the biggest issues with one of the one-off, or with all the, the one-off movies before they even, you know, there's two episodes or two movies of Fantastic Four, but not 30, yeah. like in the, but they just can't really build up that fast. So they can't have high stakes without yeah. having it look ridiculous. Um, you can't have very developed characters because, you know, comic books, it, it, like the the shared universe approach, almost like, like the MCU is almost a TV show at this point, that there's so many, different episodes of it that's yeah. way better for comic books out of so much history and so much stuff to get into yeah i've started picking nicks nicks now so. yeah let's just let's just go right into picking nicks then we've already picked okay. a couple cool um I, <laughs> this is stupid but mordo at the end taking pangborn's legs it's just so mean and cruel it's a weirdly sad way to end a not very like <laughs> It, not a very serious movie, you know? It's so dark. It's just a huge twist at the end. There's nothing like that in the entire movie. And just leaving it like that is, is weird. Especially considering the storyline was never completed. That was extra, extra weird. Mm -hmm. um, and then this uh, ancient one's fortune telling is a little like hit or miss and confusing. Like she says that she knows Strange will be Sorcerer Supreme in Endgame. But here she almost didn't accept him. Like Mordo had to convince her. That was weird. Yeah, I saw that as a kind of like she like was testing playing, him. Yeah, playing him. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And then later too, she does say that like she can't really see everything about his future. She just sees like possibilities. So yeah, that's fine. We'll scratch that from the record. Um, I'm not a fan of the 
classic trope of like an exposition scene mid training fight. I think it's always lazy, like they had with Mordo and Strange, where he's mm-hmm. telling them everything about Cassilius and whatever, especially when it ends with no more questions. Like, okay, that's yeah. I've seen that in 30 movies this month. I said this, but I've never really been in a magic storyline since super enveloped in the MCU. So I'm hoping they slow it down over the next few years and go back to less magical stuff, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, and then th- this, is, you said something about this earlier, but the fact that he does it in such a quick time frame, I wish that they just, the only reason that we know for sure it started in 2016 is because he has a call about Rhodey, right? The guy that gets trapped in the thing. And then by 2018, right before Ragnarok, he's a full-fledged sorcerer. That's a really short amount of time. Like even like his car crash until he got to Carmartage, that's probably a year, right? Mm-hmm. all the searching and stuff and, and whatever. So then that's just another year of him learning to become a sorcerer. Like, I just wish they wouldn't have included the roadie line and maybe just said that it happened, you know, in 2013 and just add a couple of years there. It's just a really short amount of time. Like the, the roadie line wasn't really necessary and it put on a timeline that just was way too short. So, yeah, I put like, I think some of the one-liners are cringy. I mentioned that before. I think that they chose the wrong villain for this movie. The wrong villains, plural, too. Like, Caecilius, um, like, first of all, it's hard to have a bad guy that nobody can pronounce their name. <laughs> um, he's just kind of forgettable. And, like, clearly a pawn, just a stooge for Dormammu. And you don't really see Dormammu, which is kind of, like, the whole time loop thing was interesting. But, um, like, like we talked about before, you're, like, injecting these giant stakes into this movie and then immediately resolving it um so it kind of it didn't build up as well as other movies did in marvel um yeah i think i disagree with you guys with caecilius i think there's different types of of villains in the mcu right there's like the there's like the really cool villains obviously like like the top tier villains and there's really bad villains and then there's villains that are kind of funny, but not really that awesome. You got like Justin Hammer there. And then you have villains who are super cool, but they're just not developed at all. And I think that's sometimes okay, because you have to spend a lot of time developing, like in this one, the character and just the entirety of, of magic. You don't have that much time to develop a bad guy too. But there's just a lot of bad guys in the MCU that are really, really cool without much development. I think Isilius is one of them. He's one of my favorite bad guys, I think, um, just in terms of like, his look and the way he talks and his, his backstory, just not a lot of development. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, I think Ronan from Guardians of the Galaxy, really cool, yeah. kind of terrifying. He's got like Darth Vader vibes and that he's just this overarching thing. Darth Vader more like uh, a new hope, not really later where he gets more developed. Um, Whiplash, he was in a terrible movie, but he was played pretty well. His first suit when he was on the racetrack, I thought that looked so cool. It went down from there, but it just looked vibe-wise really cool. Uh, taskmaster taskmaster that's a tough one to say taskmaster 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 it's better it wasn't really true to the comics but i don't really care she was just really terrifying on screen Uh, ghost was really fun just not very developed and then gore the god butcher which i think is the only one that's unforgivable because he should have been really cool and he looked cool he's played well but it was not developed at the like expense of the movie so yeah do you have anybody else who was what a strange movie do you have anybody else who was really cool just not developed you can't really call them an all-time mcu bad guy yeah i don't know um where would you put red skull on this i think you can put him in top tier bad guys i think he's above because he was developed i don't know i guess he didn't have a super amount of development but he's a nazi like how much development do you need you kind of know the (laughs) yeah i think think he's in in the top tier level yeah Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think that they didn't really get too far into like, how did you become this super soldier? And how did your face get peeled off? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fair. Um, I thought I think that everybody you put makes sense. Ronan, um, for sure, especially when like you first bring him in. The first time you see Ronan completely, you have no idea who this guy is, but he yeah. looks cool. He just steals every single scene he's in and like he's not in a lot, which is fine. There's five superheroes you have to develop in the movie, plus introduce Thanos and Nebula. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. 
Yeah, and honestly, like Thanos too in the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's not developed. Yet. Yeah, you can if you're saying just in that movie, then yeah, Thanos is definitely in there too. But obviously, he gets a little. Yeah, I think it's a little bit cooler later. Just a little bit. Yeah, um, which is why it's so like unforgivable when there's just bad characters who also aren't cool. Like Malekith sucked, and he didn't even like look cool. You know, if yeah. you're gonna make a bad character and be lazy with it, at least make him look awesome. Yeah, Aaron Cross, another one. Yeah. Let's talk about Love and Thunder real quick, because now now I'm just thinking about like the Gore, the God Butcher. I thought Christian Bale did a great job. I thought he was interesting. I thought thought like he could have checked all the boxes. They just like didn't have him do much for some reason. In the bigger issue too, beyond that, like they didn't have him a lot, which is fine. Like not every bad guy needs to be in every single scene, and that's okay. Like the mystery, the mystique is sometimes a good thing to have. But, I mean, every single scene he was in was undercut by the the forced comedy before and after. And sometimes while he was on screen, like, it's just not, it was not good. Yeah. Like, I was expecting to have him kind of, like, cut through some some gods for a little bit. Like, just yeah. some scenes of Zeus getting his head cut off or something. Like, yeah. it just wasn't, they, I mean, they went for weird and funny. And I... I know we're talking about a totally different movie, but I enjoyed that movie. I hated and... that movie. Like, I, there's a few fun parts, but like, it was, I, it's one of my least favorite MCU movies. Yeah. I thought it was fun, but it had some serious flaws. Oh, yeah. And um, coming back to this movie, this movie's fun. This movie also has some flaws, too. Yeah. Um, not in the same way, but it's it's definitely like, I think was intended to be a bridge movie and um, just kind of bring Doctor Strange into this so that you can raise the stakes by introducing all these um, concepts. But I still enjoyed it. I think that's the problem with this movie. Like its biggest mistake is completely, not mistake, but its biggest uh, drawback, its biggest, the thing that weighted down the most was like unavoidable. The fact that it was a bridge movie, like you can't, they didn't want to put too much important stuff in this like mcu changing stuff it was literally just a MacGuffin, like bringing dr strange yeah. into the into the the whole storyline was MacGuffin. it was just about bringing dr strange into the avengers world and talking about magic and like it they made it fun that's fine it's like iron man 2 is also a MacGuffin film and uh, uh the dark world a MacGuffin film and they both sucked so this i think was the first successful MacGuffin film yeah I think I've coined that term MacGuffin film. I think the MCU created that as a concept, a MacGuffin film. Like those don't really exist outside of this, right? Yeah, it's like you're just playing with a whole different level. Like the fact that you have movies that are just like placeholders for other movies is such a new It's a concept. bizarre concept, yeah. Um, a couple more nits because we're still on nits. Let's see. Uh, they call it a cloak of levitation. That's clearly a cape. Cloaks are way more wide. Clearly a cape, not even close to cloak. Um, there's a lot of like medical inaccuracies. I don't really care about those. And then one though, so he told, you know, he told Christine up the voltage after he realized getting shocked hurt the, hurt the ghost that he's fighting. She immediately turns like all the way up and it's like, do not touch him. Like, why wouldn't she, like, I don't, it, and it worked. So it's all good. But I feel like logically she just would have gone like one notch up. Like what made her want to go all the way up to like threaten his life? That just, that didn't make any sense to me. And then last yeah. one, this one is so stupid, but they are in their, they're in the mirror dimension. Uh, Mordo and Stranger running away from Caecilius and his little buddies. They make a portal, but then Caecilius, you know, tilts the world and they slip down. Why didn't they make the portal a lot closer? <laughs> like they put it like 50 yards away and then just like, hey, let's get to that. You can put it wherever, just put it right there and leave. That's true. That was insane to me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I had one more nit, and I think that they really should consider digitizing their library. If all <laughs> these were on Kindle, we wouldn't have this problem. And then we stealing the secrets then. That's all, that's all the nits that I have. Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably, inexplicitly, inex, oh, did not save the world. You got to edit that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep it out. I'll let it mind. When I mess up, I keep I, I, I take it out. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't really know. Um yeah. I put maybe Clea 
um, the character that comes into Doctor Strange 2, who Fair. is a lover of Doctor Strange and is related to Dormammu. I was going to say, and related to Doctor Strange. Be like, oh, boy. Lover and related. It was yeah. the 70s. She was or uh, 60s. She's a dark world adventurer. Yeah. So Clea um, is a character that uh, is kind of an opponent to Dormammu, but a relative of Dormammu. Dormammu. I think sometimes she's a niece, sometimes maybe a daughter. I'm not sure. I think like the fact that she shows up later means she's around. So why didn't she come to try to stop this madness, but she's going to later stop the other madness? We'll probably get more of a, a feel on her. Like once we, I think she's going to appear in uh, the next Avengers. That's my theory. She went, came to Doctor Strange for help on some issue elsewhere. I don't know if she's like in tune with our planet's issues or necessarily even cares about our planet's issues. So I, that's, that one's kind of fair, but I don't know. Um, I didn't have anybody that was a, I, I couldn't have anybody. I think he's, he's like in a time crunch. So he's kind of forgiven for not calling up backup heroes like the, the the crux of this movie where there's actually an issue that they need to deal with that's you know hours um it's not very long and he also doesn't know anybody at that point so i think in this one it wouldn't have made sense to include any other heroes i mean they're fighting a separate dimension in a very short amount of time so i think they're forgiven for not calling you know black widow to help fight dormammu makes sense makes sense I am going with the first Avenger award for the best one-off character. I think it is quite clearly Mads Mikkelsen as Caecilius. Uh, I mean, he's obviously underdeveloped, but he was good. His backstory was pretty cool. He's just a zealot who's trying to live forever. Uh, is he is he really all that bad? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I also thought it was a little unfair because he didn't, he, he wasn't a murderer. He didn't kill anybody other than for his purpose, which, you know, guys do too. But then he, Dr. Strange sends him to the, to the dark world as some floating, you know, silhouette. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cruel for a guy who wasn't, you know, all that bad. Yeah, I actually, I have him as well. I thought he was played very well. I don't think that they gave him enough kind of, I don't know, development, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fair that they didn't but it's still kind of a bummer yeah yeah for sure um, maybe what would have been good actually is like a instead of the opening scene being because it, it opened pretty epically right like uh ancient one flying doing inception whatever but it wasn't all that interesting it was just kind of cool to see for the first time i think it would have been way more interesting to give him like a a backstory in the first couple minutes just like they did with gore Mm -hmm. even that would be cool like maybe loses his family and then Dormammu comes I, up like oh hey I'll save you you think that like little <laughs> is that what inclusion? he sounds like you think hey yeah. hey, hey you guys <laughs> I'm gonna take over your planet <laughs> um, but do you think that would have helped his development at all just having a two minute scene at the beginning of the movie actually maybe yeah uh, let's let's make a submit a request to Marvel to change the movie because yeah, it's on streaming now so. yeah you can do that with Disney yeah. plus right yeah. um yeah like i think that um you needed more reasons for him to be what he was and more reasons for him to think that it was a good idea to bring everybody into the dark dimension yeah and i wish too they touched more upon the fact that the eternal life that he expected was not the eternal life that dormammu actually offered you know who are some runner-ups for the the first avenger award for the best one-off character like can you think of anybody i i don't think i can i think like it depends on what you consider like ancient one's role in later movies because yeah. if you just kind of ignore the fact that she was there for a moment when they went back in time i think that you could consider ancient one one of the best one-off characters here yes it's it's weird because like you're not going to really have a whole lot of one-off characters anymore because they keep coming back and forth through time and space and whatnot yeah i'm gonna think of one oh there i guess there's dormammu too but i think we're including he'll be back one-off character you think he'll be back he'll be back 
Let's go with poorly aged CGI, and I think we should rename this to just bad CGI because it's this came out in what 2016. So yeah, not and really the aging, worst CGI. The worst CGI in the MCU has been the most recent movies. So yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah, I think, and I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but most of the bad CGI here you see here is not a limitation of the technology anymore it's just a poor artistic direction i think i thought that the dark dimension looked goofy yeah and it reminded me of like an 80s movie where they show you the inside of a cell and yeah. <laughs> it's like I, it just looked cartoonish where the rest of the movie was like really crazy looking (laughs) and like so i just the whole dark dimension i thought that it didn't look great and so i'm comparing this to like the quantum realm um in like the ant-man movies yeah like that looks really cool and like trippy the dark dimension here is kind of lame yeah i think like dormammu specifically looked a little goofy like he didn't look bad or like poorly done it was just like you said weird artistic direction i think when he's flying when, when he, he takes the, you know, the acid tea, he calls it LSD or whatever, um, from the ancient one, it goes flying through the cosmos. I think that looked kind of bad. Like everything around him looked really good, but his placement on it looked bad. And I think they did that a lot. They like knew we would be distracted looking at the awesome, cool, uh, you know, the turning buildings and, and all the cool structures and whatever that they cut some corners with, the, with placing the people in that cool cgi um mm-hmm. so i think i think that was an issue throughout the entire movie yeah that makes sense what age is the best and worst i talked about this i don't remember which which one but i i think cocky heroes and their little redemption arcs i think they ended after this one so i don't it just kind of ages it doesn't age well or bad but like you know tony thor and quill their kind was replaced by shang chi and cersei and peter parker peter, peter parker um, I say that wrong every single time, and you correct me every single time. But all the other like little guy heroes, you know, um, so that 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 ages. But I think turning a division sorcerer into a white lady, it was a weird choice then. I think it's gotten worse as it ages. Uh, like I don't think it's necessarily a bad artistic decision. Um, it's just a, like I, I don't really mind race swapping, even if it's a minority character to a white character. I think if it fits, it's fine. It just doesn't really make sense for the ancient sorcerer to be some lady from Liverpool, you know? She's actually mm-hmm. Celtic. So I said Liverpool because I thought it'd be funnier. Um, but he, the director, I forget his name now, but he chose, like, he didn't want to make a caricature for an Asian character, which is odd because you could just play, like, an Asian character. You know, you don't have to go, like, over the top, like, you know, 60s Disney cartoon. So I, I thought it was weird. Like, he couldn't, avoid making a caricature so he chose a white lady instead no i thought it was weird mm. but just not even necessarily it ages poorly if, in yeah. terms of pc whatever i just think that it was a weird choice as a storyline um, yeah that's that's interesting um i i had not heard it explained that way um my thought my understanding of why they did it was because they wanted the ancient one to be able to be anyone yeah um, rather than someone from you know maybe more where you would more traditionally see a someone with like buddhist roots yeah i i understand why that seems weird i think it was a um gamble to have her as the ancient one i thought it worked out pretty well but i totally understand criticisms of it also. i thought it, I, it was fine it's just in the sort line it was, it was just odd um but i'm glad at least they threw in like saying she's celtic rather than like us trying to believe that she's still a, a tibetan 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 uh, rather than us trying to like think that she's that because like you know remember Jake Gyllenhaal and Prince of Persia <laughs> some white guy walking around the sand dunes like that's not right yeah. Yeah. it's like um, well Jesus was white right oh yeah Jesus, Jesus was white according to uh, Mel Gibson <laughs> I think just the character of Wong ages well 
Oh yeah, that's a great. That is a great choice. He ages really, really well. Yeah, I think like you know he's kind of this compliment to Strange, and you don't see it really in this movie too much. But the more you see them together, the more that grows. It's like every um, single movie becomes slightly more important and more like friends with Strange too, and more funny and more like in uh, Shang Chi. He's yeah. It, he's he's in there, right? In Shang-Chi. It, no, okay, I'm thinking of the wrong thing. In Shang-Chi, yeah, he's fighting Abomination. Well, I was thinking about the end scene where the people come talk to... He was in that yeah. part? Yeah. It's him, uh, Bruce, mm-hmm. and Captain Marvel? Okay, there you go. No, 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 no. He he breaks into the restaurant when they're eating. Yeah, okay, that's it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that movie since it came out because uh, I didn't love it, but... I Gotta rewatch it. Gotta rewatch it. Was that... That was a 2020 movie, right? Uh, it's 2020. One point twenty. What what year is it now? Yeah, no movies came out in 2020. 2021 was Black Widow, Shang-Chi, uh, Eternals, and Spider-Man. 2020 was a break year because of you know pandemic and whatever. It was the gas leak year. Um <laughs> gas leak year. Anyway, uh so yeah, so I think that ages well. I I can't really think of too much that doesn't age well. Again, in movies like this, where it's introducing an entirely new archetype of character and a whole new you know, plot, that's like plot device with with magic and everything. It's always going to age well, just because it's the first time you see it. So I don't think yeah. anything ages too poorly. Okay. Uh, so what do you have for the She-Hulk Award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked? I have two. First off, how many versions of Stephen Strange do you think are evil? Because every other that we've seen so far, I think, has been at least in some like a little bit evil, right? Like even the one that we saw at the beginning of Multiverse of Madness, like he was good, he was helping America, but he's like, I got to sacrifice you because it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But like most of them have been at least more, like he's the best, this is the best version of Stephen Strange, right? And that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to sacrifice America at the end and yada, yada. And like how many team up, team up with Kaecilius in this movie? How many like just dip out after getting a little bit of power? How many abuse the time stone? I just... I think it's interesting thinking that this is the only version of Stephen Strange that ends up being all that good. I think that's just way more powerful for the 616 universe. What do you think? Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that it kind of goes to like, you have a tremendous capacity for good. So you also have a tremendous capacity for bad. Yeah. And that that's a really interesting thing to explore. Um, I I like that head canon too of he's he's the only good one in all of these multiverses um, yeah multiverse I I. yeah because i think that's that's the whole thing is like you know when you're super powerful it's much harder to be good than people think yeah. <laughs> like if you have unlimited power in limited consequences why would you choose the good side yeah which is why I'm hoping for a Civil War II with Captain Marvel, the comic accurate storyline. Do you have any shield boards? I actually couldn't think of anything for this one, so I really like yours. Let's. I got one more. So, how long do you think Doctor Strange kept Dormammu in his little time loop? Because I think it's unlikely he got so fed up with it quickly on the screen. But it's unlikely that it was that amount of time, right? Like, what, 10 mm-hmm. times and you're going to freak out? I don't think so. I like to think that it was like years of this, like years going on trapped, like thousands of times going through the same moment. What, what do you think about that? I like that, too. I like that for multiple reasons. I think that that gives him like it's like strange is like practicing against Dormammu. Yeah, like so, that like, kind of explains be... why he's so much more powerful later, right? So that kind of yeah. puts a pin in that knit earlier. Yeah, so it's like he's developing his powers for years on years and years, just fighting over and over again. And so I like that. Cool, cool, cool. All right, it is time for useless trivia. Uh, so I think everybody knows this one at this point, but Rachel McAdams' reaction to the broom falling in the in the closet that was genuine. It wasn't actually supposed to fall, but she never broke character, so it kept it. Uh, the cloak wiping Strange's tears it was actually improvised on set, uh, suggested by the Cumberbatch. Uh, Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch was the first choice for Doctor Strange to the point where they actually changed release, date, release dates when they couldn't 
fit he couldn't fit on the schedule. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix was considered at one point before they decided to change release dates. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but the guy who plays Mordo, awesome actor. He's a fifth degree black belt in karate. Hmm. Uh, director Scott Derrickson, huge, strange comic book fan to the point where he created his own concept video basically as a resume to direct this film. Uh, in the comics, Stanley and friends created Dr. Strange based on the old Hollywood guy, Vincent Pierce, which is why Stephen's middle name is Vincent. Uh, McAdams, Rachel McAdams, she was the first choice by John Favreau for Pepper Potts. Hmm. But she uh, declined. She didn't want to do superhero movies. And then her mood changed when they became very popular. <laughs> uh, when she could make a lot of money for yeah. very few minutes. Uh, Stan Lee, in his little cameo, he's reading The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. That is a book about uh, Huxley's experimentation with psychedelics. And this movie and Strange's comics, they've always been associated not necessarily by stanley but associated in pop culture with psychedelics because of its surreal nature um the the whole apple forbidden knowledge thing i thought that was kind of a cute little callback when he's you know using the forbidden spells on the apple just like the uh you know the losers that doomed humanity in genesis uh strange's sister donna who died as a child she's supposed to make an appearance but then she did not and she was touched upon in multiverse of madness uh cinematographer ben davis called the fantasia a huge influence on this film uh and then lastly the 22 year old schizophrenic who he talks about that got struck by lightning was a nod to miss america Mad uh, madeline joyce she received powers this way in the comics uh, Miss America eventually became the identity of America Chavez, who inherited the original's title and powers. Well, well, well. Yeah. You got any trivia? Cool. Yeah, I got a few ones. I got uh, two, actually, because you used up some of mine. Um, <laughs> uh, so Stan Lee, his cameo was filmed. Um, so there were three different cameos that were all filmed on the same day. Um, so it was that and Thor... And um, I'm not sure what Guardians? the other one would have been. Probably, yeah, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, and then an astrophysicist was consulted for on this movie for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah. Why would they be? <laughs> so sometimes you just got to, like, get your friends paid, you know? Yeah. There's some multiversal stuff, but they don't necessarily go into the science behind any multiversal stuff. Like, they do that in a couple later movies, so it makes sense, too. But in this one, it's just, like, they show yeah. cool magical stuff. There's not really any deep dives into other universes. Yeah, maybe That's there are odd. pieces that were cut, but yeah, I just thought that was funny. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, All right. very interesting. Uh, big question though, can you skip it in your MCU rewatch? I'll let you go first. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. I think that you can skip it. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, I think this is a really enjoyable movie. Um, I think it's like, more of a gamble than some other mcu movies and um so i like it but i also think that in the broad scope of mcu if you had to watch all of these movies in a weekend to get caught up for the latest movie i think that you could probably at this point figure out um dr strange's role in everything and you don't necessarily need this movie yeah because frankly like he gets introduced in ragnarok as a sorcerer like, what more do you really need to know going into mm -hmm. the rest of the movies? I guess you, you lose some stuff on the time stone, but they they touch about that and the exposition with, you know, Bruce and Tony and, and, and Infinity War. So I, I think you totally find a skip this one. And you usually don't want to skip introduction movies, but he gets introduced later well yeah. enough. Like, you don't get a lot of the background. So maybe multiverse madness doesn't make sense, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they're definitely going to even do that as, like, well, they did that with Spider-Man. It's like, oh, well, he's Spider-Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> what else do you need to know? Um, yeah. And Doctor Strange, although he's not as popular as obviously Spider-Man and hasn't been made over and over again. Like, I think that you could have been like, oh yeah, he's yeah he doesn't have some like huge important like he's just a guy who does magic and that's fine. And yeah. obviously, he's like one of the most important Avengers, not Avengers, but you know, MCU heroes right now. But. Yeah. yeah, but I'm glad that they made this movie. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is probably 
aside from maybe RDJ, um, my favorite actor that they have in yeah. the MCU, and I think he does amazing in this role. He plays he plays Dormammu in this too, right? Yeah, um, but that's like Vin Diesel doing Groot. Like, how impressive is that performance? Right? What? That's basically what I are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I can do that too. Uh, now, the most important question, though, the whole reason I created this podcast, where does it rank? We got four levels. We got Pantheon, Awesome, Dig It, and Skippable. Skippable not meaning you're able to skip it. Just means that it sucks and you don't want to watch it. Where do you have it? I, I was going back and forth between Awesome and Dig It. Um, yeah. But I like this movie. I'm going to put Awesome. Okay. Interesting. So there's not really a ton of flaws, right? It's just like existence, its existence is a MacGuffin, so it kind of has a limited series, uh, limited ceiling. Um, it's just a bridge mm-hmm. movie. Storyline isn't really all that interesting. The visuals are really, really cool, and it's fun, and it's really well acted. Um, it's just an introduction movie without any connection. The main storyline just goes, there's a, there's a background, a little background, a search for the new power to fix his hands, and then his training, and then immediately a fight, and then Ancient One's death, and the final battle. It's just a really oddly timed movie, um, especially mm-hmm. against the rest of the MCU. Um, but my biggest issue is that it's just got these huge stakes without proper development. Uh, I think they knew it re- wouldn't really pay off by the end of the film, but it's just a necessary thing they had to do to introduce a character. So I just kind of chalk it up to the game. But really fun movie, cool to watch, really, really good acting. Um, interesting change in direction for the film too. Um, I really struggled with Doctor Strange versus another movie. Um, that we can get to in a second, but I put it in Dig It, unfortunately, because I love this movie. I wanted to put it higher, but I think objectively, yeah. it's not better than Iron Man 3. It's not better than Age of Ultron. Mm. Um, so I've got it right after Iron Man 3. And then in that little chunk, there's Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. I put it a slightly above Ant-Man. Two movies I really, really like. Actually, I love Iron Man 3, too. A lot of Dig It movies I really am into. Yeah. Yeah, personally, I would put. I'm not a fan of Iron Man three. Um, I, would I don't like the final act. It. That was the biggest issue. But the first two thirds yeah. of the movie really, really pulled forward. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie is uh, the Nick Foles of MCU movies. I think that the powers that be did not have high expectations for this movie, and so it has flaws just because of the intended it to be kind of a throwaway or a bridge and then i think that the performances and the direction and um the writing kind of uh did better than expected yeah i mean it introduced character awesomely made 700 million dollars and decent ratings my uh rankings as of the end of 2016 now uh in the pantheon we got avengers as the best Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War. In Awesome, we got The First Avenger and Age of Ultron. In Dig It, we got Iron Man 3, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, and Thor. And then all the way down in Skippable, we got Iron Man 2, The Dark World, and Incredible Hulk. Thank you guys for listening to Doctor Strange with BJ. We're going to be back next week with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We're having Maisie Grace. Be sure to check out my writing at strfacts.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-E facts.com. Until next week, peace out.